Maxine Waters' big mouth may have gotten Derek Chauvin off the hook in the trial regarding the death of George Floyd. My phone gives me alerts on things that just happened. I mean, you can't avoid it. And it is so per- pervasive that it is, I just don't know how this jury, it can really be said to be that they are free from the taint of this. Um, and now that we have U.S. representatives uh, threatening acts of, of, uh, of violence in relation to this specific case, uh, it's, it's mind-boggling to me, Judge. Well, I'll give you that Congresswoman and Waters may have given you something on appeal that may result in this whole trial being overturned. But what's the state's position? As well it should. As well it should. We, we played what Maxine Waters said yesterday. It was very clear. It was a call to riot. And the, so this new information that could affect the trial of, of Derek Chauvin for the death of George Floyd. The new information isn't about anything that happened on the day and the drugs and the neck and the police officers. No, it's going to be a political consideration because you have elected Democrats in this country who are calling for riots, trying to interfere in our justice system. Maxine Waters is a greater threat to justice and peace in this country than the worst possible imaginable cop ever. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Frosted Ice Pharaoh, who says leftists and squishes use the term dog whistle, yet they are the only ones who can hear it. What does that tell you? I have made this point on a number of occasions. I'm glad that you've picked up on this too. The left is incessantly talking about dog whistles, and yet they are the only ones to hear them. What does that mean? That, of course, means that they are the dogs. And they are, because we don't hear them. It's not as though conservatives are feigning ignorance and saying, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. We really have no idea what they're talking about. We don't hear these things because the left is constantly changing the definitions of words to have all of these new connotations that we simply are not aware of. This is part of their process of constantly transforming the language to try to transform reality, which is, by the way, the subject of my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, which is available now, by the way, for pre-order. If you have pre-ordered already, I'm sure you can sleep easy at night. One other great way to sleep easy, my pillow. By now, how many times have you heard me talk about my pillow? A million times I've told you it's the greatest pillow in the world and how we all like my pillow's politics. But even if it was a communist country, I would still support my pillow. Now they have a new product, my slippers, and they're just as good. That's the thing. It's the politics. I kind of put that aside because of how amazing the product is. These slippers took over two years to develop. They are designed to wear indoors and outdoors all day long. The my slippers are made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue. They're made with quality leather suede. I can tell you firsthand, these are extraordinarily comfortable. You are going to love them. The whole family is going to want them. For a limited time, MyPillow is offering 40% off their new My Slippers. 40% off, four zero. Go check them out. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listeners square and use the promo code DAILYWIRE. You will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream Bed Sheets, the MyPillow Mattress Topper, the MyPillow Towel Sets. You can also call 800-951-7163 and use promo code DAILYWIRE. Go to MyPillow.com now or call 800-951-7163. This is the week 
This is the George Floyd trial week when the whole nation, for some reason, is focused on this one criminal trial where a cop used force on a guy with a long rap sheet who was high on drugs and resisting arrest. And there's a question, did he use too much force? Did he not use too much force? Did he murder this guy? Did he commit manslaughter? Did, all, all in the weeds of what is essentially a local, a local crime story that the left has turned into a national reckoning on race. And they've contrived all sorts of aspects of it. And they have now explicitly threatened to riot and burn down the country as they did last year, if they don't get the outcome that they want in this trial. It's hard to see how the jury does not convict here. It's hard to see, not because of the evidence. I think the prosecution's done a pretty weak job, and I think the defense has done a pretty good job. And I think so many facts of this case were completely hidden or distorted in the political melee that took place in 2020. However, Think about what's going to happen if this jury doesn't convict. Their, their lives are going to be ruined. They're going to be targeted by a murderous mob that has the explicit support of elected officials and many other people in the media. Their families are going to be targeted. You're already seeing this sort of thing happen. There was a, a paramedic who donated a little bit of money to the defense of of Kyle, what's his name? Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin. People are showing up to this guy's house now. Uh, this is just what happens when you contradict the left's narrative on this. So just for self-preservation, I suspect that the jury here is going to convict. The judge actually makes this point himself. This goes back to what I've been saying from the beginning. I wish elected officials would stop talking about this case, especially in a manner that is disrespectful to the rule of law and to the judicial branch and our function. I think if they want to give their opinions, they should do so in a respectful and in a manner that is consistent with their oath to the Constitution, to respect a co-equal branch of government. Their failure to do so, I think, is abhorrent, but I don't think it has prejudiced us with additional uh, material that would prejudice this jury. They have been told not to watch the news. I trust they are following those instructions and that there is not in any way uh, a prejudice to the defendant beyond the articles that we're talking specifically about the facts of this case. A congresswoman's opinion really doesn't matter a whole lot. Anyway, so motion for mistrial is denied. Okay, so he denies the motion here for mistrial, but he says, look, on appeal, if let's say Chauvin is convicted, if it's all thrown out on appeal, there really might be a strong case to be made here. But, but in this trial, I trust that the jury is not watching the news. So look, if the jury is not watching the news at all, they're really, they're not talking to anybody about this trial and they have, I don't know, general amnesia from 2020, then perhaps, then perhaps Chauvin gets off or he gets some lesser conviction. But if it's, if they're in any way talking to anybody, if they're listening to the news, if they can even hear the screams and wails and threats that are floating through the air, especially in Minnesota right now, then it's very, very difficult to see how he, he gets off. BLM already burned the country down. It's not as though this is some new news story. Everyone knows about it. But I think, frankly, by the way, le the left-wing establishment is probably hoping that Chauvin does get off. 
Because if, if Chauvin is convicted, then that's the end of the story. That's the end of it for the media. They won't get their ratings. That's the end of it for the radicals. They won't have an excuse to riot in the street and, and extort more concessions out of the establishment. Mau mowing the flat catchers, to use the phrase of Tom Wolfe, the writer. Uh, that will be the uh, uh, end of it for the liberal establishment itself, which is constantly trying to take more power. So what are they going to do? I don't know. They're probably going to encourage the riots. Maxine Waters has gone viral because of that clip that that uh, was going around yesterday where she said, we need to get more aggressive. We need to get more confrontational, more confrontational than burning down multiple cities. What's more confrontational than that? A nuclear weapon? But this is not new for Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters has been doing this for decades. Maxine Waters did this during the Rodney King riots back in the early 90s. As I stand here, nine people are dead. My last count last this morning before I tried to get some sleep was over 50-something fires raging all over Los Angeles. The fires started in my district, and one of the largest was right around the corner from my house. Uh, there are scores of injuries and still anger and frustration and people who plan on staying on the streets and expressing their outrage and anger in any way they deem necessary. There are those who would like for me and others and all of us to tell people to go inside, to be peaceful, that they have to accept the verdict. I accept the responsibility of asking people not to endanger their lives. I am not asking people not to be angry. I am angry and I have a right to that anger and the people out there have a right to that anger. Maxine Waters does not have a right to any anger. <laughs> she, she does not. Maxine Waters does not. What Maxine Waters is doing is provoking riots. And what she says here is, look, I'll, I accept the responsibility of telling people not to go out and endanger their own lives. And that can be read in one of two ways. Either the rioters who are saying, don't go out there and commit these crimes and put yourself in a dangerous situation. Or that could be just the law-abiding citizens and the shop owners saying, hey, look, I'm telling you, don't go out, don't fight back. Don't endanger your own life. Either way, not a great concession for this. I'm going to accept that, but I'm not going to tell people not to be angry. I'm not going to tell people not to express that anger. You should if you cared about your country, you would, you would do that. If you cared about justice, you would do that. Now she's even lost the facade of trying to be reasonable. Now she just says, you get up on their face and you mob them and you get conf more confrontational after burning down the country for a year. So she, she no longer has that filter. This happens to most people as they get a little bit older. All of that to say, I see the leftist strategy. The leftist strategy is you encourage the riot, you encourage the chaos, and then as a result, you get the crackdown. And they like both of those things. They like the chaos because they can extort concessions on the left. And then they like the crackdown because that gives them more power. I just never want to hear about a right-wing insurrection again. I never want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about January 6th and Capitol Hill and the greatest worst insurrection in U.S. history. I don't want to hear about it. As long as Maxine Waters faces zero consequences, which is exactly what's going to happen, then I just don't want to hear about it. I don't, there's, they are, these things are not comparable. What BLM and Antifa did to the country in 2020, what they're probably going to do in a week or two, just 
not comparable to the guy with the crazy horns jumping on the, on the table in the Capitol building. Okay. By the way, by the way, what were we told about the Capitol? What, what was the worst thing that happened at the Capitol riot? What was basically the entire premise of the second farcical impeachment of Donald Trump? The death of our officer Sicknick, right? That was the one thing they said, yeah, okay. They messed up Nancy Pelosi's office. That's bad, but we're not going to impeach a guy over that. And yeah, the, the guy in the horns jumped on the table, but we're not going to impeach the president over that. But the thing we can get him on, even though Trump said be peaceful, the thing we can get him on is that Officer Brian Sicknick, Capitol Hill police officer, was killed during those riots and, and killed by right-wing insurrectionists. And it turns out that story was just completely false. Don't take my word for it. You don't even need to take the Daily Wire's word for it. The Washington Post is now finally admitting that what we all suspected the whole time. It was so weird that no one came out with a cause of death for Officer Sicknick. Officer Sicknick obviously died. The question was, did he die because of the violence of that day? Turns out, nope. No, completely unrelated. Even the WAPO headline, Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, who engaged rioters, suffered two strokes and died of natural causes, officials say. Thanks for admitting that, WAPO. Thanks for admitting that now that it doesn't matter, now that you've gotten every single political advantage you can possibly get out of that lie. Now they admit the truth and they move on. Nothing to see here. Everybody just return to your homes, return to your bedrooms. When you get there, have a nice nap in your Helix mattress. Helix Sleep has a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? That doesn't make any sense. You're a special person. You need special details in your mattress. With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way you sleep. It's fabulous, but you don't need to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Knowles, take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They will even pick it up for you if you don't love it, but you will love it. I really love my Helix. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders right now and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash Knowles. That is helixsleep.com slash Knowles for up to $200 off and two free pillows. The Washington Post admitting now, months after, what are we, four, more than three months after the Capitol riot? February, March, April, there we go. Three months after the Capitol riot, after they've impeached the president a second time, failed to convict, after they've painted all of the right as insurrectionist threats to the country, need to clamp down on your speech, need to clamp down on your ability to communicate. Now they acknowledge the death of Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick didn't have anything to do with rioters throwing fire hydrants at him, didn't have anything to do with any of that. His family had suggested to those paying close attention, we, we knew this was probably going to come out because the family had suggested at the time that he had health problems. Don't rush to judgment. They didn't want the death to be politicized. Now it turns out, yeah, it was two, two strokes, died of natural causes the following day. Very sad, very sad that the guy died. Apparently he was, he was not a radical leftist. Let's put it that way. Uh, and then his death was totally exploited by the radical left. What was the other 
consequence of that. It wasn't just impeaching the president. The other consequence is we got to shut down parlor. That's right. Remember when all those squishes and leftists told conservatives to build their own Twitter? Well, then conservatives built their own Twitter and then, and then the leftists said, no, we're not going to allow that. And they kicked it off the app store and they kicked it off the internet and the squishes just rolled over like they always do. Remember that? Just to, just to catch you up on what happened. Well, some conservatives and some people with spines in the Senate came out, like people like Mike Lee came out and wrote to Parler and said, hey, you guys can't do this. Uh, Representative Ken Buck in the House wrote to Parler and Parler, or rather wrote to the Apple App Store. Apple finally wrote back to them and said, the app review team has informed Parler as of April 14th, 2021, that its proposed updated app will be approved for reinstatement in the App Store. Okay, great. Parler's back. After they broke Parler, after they cracked that social platform, after they clamped down on them and said, you're the cause of the riot that killed the police officer, now they're going to let them back in. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Is this a win is what we want to know. Well, we need more information before we can celebrate because you see the fine print there. They're saying there's a new updated app and so that's going to be proposed for reinstatement in the app store. So what changes did Parler have to make? Did Parler acquiesce or is this really Apple conceding to political pressure? All of that is sort of beside the point. I mean, it's, I guess it's good if Parler's back in the app store, that's fine, but it's sort of beside the point because the liberal establishment already got what it wanted. When it really counted, January 6th, when it really counted what happened, the mainstream media lied to you, completely fabricated events, that day that did not happen. Big technology clamped down. They didn't just censor the duly elected sitting president of the United States. They also censored millions of conservatives who could now no longer use Parler as if they were using it or sign up to use Parler. That was done. It was over. They flexed. They showed we run the show here. We are the law. <laughs> we are the system of justice. So now months later, it's kind of all over. It's kind of a moot point. Yeah, maybe they'll let us back in a little bit on their terms. But what's the real system here? Is this really a win for, for conservatives in the justice system in the United States? I don't think so. I think it's probably the left flexing their muscles. And now out of their beneficence, giving us a little, some crumbs from the table. How, how sweet of you, left-wingers. It's good to have wings on the cultural level or at the business corporate level. We need wins at the government level too. So there's, here's half a good news story. You want half a good news story? It's from Arizona Governor Doug Ducey, who is now prohibiting the vaccine passports at the government level. Uh, Ducey is uh, banning this new proposal and he's preventing state and local governments from requiring residents to provide the COVID vaccine status to receive service or to enter an area. This is at the government level but that doesn't go far enough. It needs to go further. We've, we've talked about this from the beginning. We've said there are going to be two, there are going to be three different positions here. One is going to be no vaccine passports at the government level. One is going to be no vaccine passports at the government or private business level. And then obviously the third, the third position is we need vaccine passports wherever, you know, all over the place. And the libertarian position kind of is up in the air. It's not really clear whether the, which one the libertarians will go for. It's a little incoherent, but you could see a world in which the libertarian position is and the squish position is no, no vaccine passports at the government level, 
Private businesses can do whatever they want, though. If they want to include one, that's fine. If they don't want to include one, that's also fine. The conservative position is no. It's just, it upends our political order. It upends our traditions. It upends our way of life. No vaccine passports anywhere. And then obviously the leftist position, they love the passports. Ron DeSantis then came out and he was, he did it a little bit slowly, but then he came out and he said, okay, Florida, we're not going to have vaccine passports, even at private businesses. We're not going to do it. We need more people to step up. 27 Republican governors here. I'm glad to see what four or five have come out and said, no vaccine passports at the, at the state level. That's fine. We need to go further. We need to go further. Don't let them give you a half measure. Private businesses should not be permitted to require these either. Florida's doing a lot. Florida's really leading the country in many ways on this sort of stuff, not just on COVID, but on the riots too. Because you know, riots are the, they're the real vaccine. Riots are the real cure for COVID. That's what we learned during the BLM riots of 2020. We all have to stay locked in. If we even so much as go outside, we're going to catch this virus with a hundred percent chance of killing us. Except if you are burning down Minneapolis, then that is actually going to, there's a shield that's going to go around you and nobody can get COVID. So it's cool. Especially if you want like a booster, you have to bust into a Nike store and steal some sneakers. That is, that's kind of like your, that's like the second shot. You get the sneakers. There's no way you can get COVID, right? So we're all preparing for more riots. Minneapolis totally boarded up. Other places in the country are preparing. How's Florida preparing? They're preparing by beefing up laws and figuring out ways to throw rioters in prison for longer. Florida's Senate has approved a bill that was championed by Governor DeSantis. It's an anti-riot law. It uh, permits citizens to sue a local government if that government does not stop a riot. It defines a riot as a violent public disturbance involving three or more people acting with common intent resulting in injury to others, damage to property, or the imminent danger of injury or damage. This law also would grant civil legal immunity to people who would drive through protesters and rioters who are blocking a road. That's a good provision. I like that. That's good, that's good for law and order. It's good for a stable society. It's good for everybody's rights. This law would prevent people who are arrested for rioting or offenses committed during a riot from getting bailed out of jail until their first court appearance. Loves that. Love that a lot. Throw them in jail. Throw away that key, at least until their court appearance. And this would impose a six-month mandatory sentence for battery on a police officer during a riot. Love that. Love that. But the left should love that too, right? Because they pretend that they're all for law and order now after the great, horrible insurrection of January 6th right? So love this law. think it's absolutely phenomenal. This is not a clampdown on people's freedom. That's what the left is going to say. They're taking away our freedom of expression and our freedom of speech. This is an expansion of freedom of speech because rioting is not speech. That's not protected by the first amendment. You have the right to speech. You have the right to peaceably assemble. You don't have the right to burn buildings down. You don't have the right to threaten people. You don't have right, a right to, th- to shut down the interstate. And if you do that, you need to be punished so that we get less of that. So we disincentivize that. And so that we punish people who do very bad things. You're going to hear people say, this is outrageous. This is not in keeping with the uh, American tradition, the Anglo-American tradition. It's a word. You're not even allowed to use that phrase anymore. Riot acts have a long history in our political tradition. You ever hear the phrase, oh man, read him the riot act. Oh yeah, that guy, you know, you know what they're going to do to him. They're going to read him the riot act. You ever hear that expression? That expression refers to the riot act. (laughs) In English law, 
back in 1714 when Parliament passed the Riot Act for much the same reason that we need to <laughs> pass the Riot Act today down in Florida and hopefully elsewhere around the country. My one real disappointment with the Trump administration, I felt this was just bad instincts or he was being led by people who did not know what they were doing, was when he really went all in on the jailbreak bill. And he said, you know, as conservatives, we need to let a bunch of criminals out of jail. I thought, President Trump, this is going against your political instincts. This is not the sort of stuff you've talked about in your career. This, this ain't it, chief. You're, you've been so good on so much other stuff, but this ain't it. I am glad to see that Governor DeSantis is bringing us back a little bit in the direction of law and order. I hope that other governors, other legislators around the country do that as well, because we are not going to get any sort of uh, real pushback from the squishes on Capitol Hill. You know, we're, we're waiting on Maxine Waters, who is calling for riots, who, who is doing so almost explicitly, <laughs> very, very implicitly, but I, maybe arguably explicitly. She's not going to face consequences. Maybe now some people in the House of Representatives are saying, she's, we're going we're gonna to do something. We're going to do something. Ben will be covering Maxine today on Raging Waters. <laughs> what a great title. Uh, so go check out his show today. We've also got Backstage coming up tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And it's almost time for another episode of Candace. This week's special guest is Dana White, president of the Ultimate Fighting Championship, which is the largest mixed martial arts organization in the world. The show streams on Fridays at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, only on dailywire.com. You can get 25% off a new membership with code Candace. Go check that out today. We'll be right back with a lot more. So Nancy Pelosi was asked by the press, are you going to hold Maxine Waters to account? Do you, you know, you've just been prattling on for three months about the right-wing insurrectionists. Now Maxine Waters is calling for an insurrection, or she's calling for riots in the streets to subvert, for the explicit purpose of subverting our justice system. So do you think she should apologize? She goes, now, not only do I not think that we're going to hold Maxine Waters to any consequence, but I don't think she should even apologize. So Kevin McCarthy who at times has defended the conservative side of the party, at other times has gone squish. He tweeted out, quote, Maxine Waters is inciting violence in Minneapolis, just as she has incited it in the past. If Speaker Pelosi doesn't act against this dangerous rhetoric, I will bring action this week. So it, this is, doesn't really have any meat to it because the best he can do is suggest that Maxine Waters be censured and then... I guess he'd try to get her impeached. It's just none of that's going to happen. But I, I guess it at least puts Democrats in a bad position if they have to vote on whether or not to censure her because they're not going to want to vote to censure her, but then we'll be able to say that they all defend the riots. So, you know, it's, it, I, I want to be a little nice to McCarthy here because I was tough on him yesterday. This actually has some cleverness to it. It, it will at least allow Republicans to hammer Democrats and force the Democrats to own the riots that look like they're about to ensue. Uh, however, what this shows you is just there's not, not a lot that you can do if you, if in Congress generally, but also if you're the party that's not in power. You got to win. You got to win elections. Losing with dignity, if, if that is actually what Republicans are doing. And I don't think that's what they're doing. I think they're losing without any dignity. But losing with, even with dignity, 
and a buck 50 will get you a cup of coffee. If you don't have the political power, then you can't wield it. And if, if you do have the political power and you don't wield it, then it's just as good as losing. And now the Democrats have the political power and they know how to wield it. And I just wish Republicans could. Republicans have convinced themselves that it's somehow wrong to wield political power. They, they've convinced themselves that the only legitimate thing to do once they enter office is nothing because of some degraded pseudo-libertarian bumper sticker. And they've convinced themselves that if they create any laws, that that's somehow an illegitimate imposition of our views and it, it somehow compromises freedom or something. It's just completely ridiculous, has no relationship to our actual American conservative political tradition. I talk about how the left has tricked us into believing all this nonsense in my upcoming book, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Minds, which is available now for pre-order. And by the way, you can get an autograph first edition copy uh, if you go to Premier Collectibles. Just, just throwing that out there. So Kevin McCarthy will try to do this sort of thing. Pelosi won't act. Probably very little will come of it. What about Joe Biden? What about the White House? Does Joe Biden support the statements by Maxine Waters? Jen Psaki was asked this question because obviously the press never talked to Joe Biden. So the press secretary was asked this. She just doesn't give a straight answer. You talked about how the White House is preparing for whatever that verdict is. Congresswoman Maxine Waters said over the weekend that they need to, we've got to stay on the street and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they know that we mean business. Does the president agree with what she said about getting more confrontational? Well, I can speak to the president's view. Um, he has been very clear that he recognizes the issue of police violence against people of color. Communities of color is one of great anguish, and it's uh, exhausting and quite emotional at times. Uh, as you know, he met with the Floyd family last year and has been closely following the trial, as we've been talking about, and is committed to undoing this long-standing systemic problem. Uh, his view is also that exercising First Amendment rights and protesting injustice is the most American thing that anyone can do. But as he also always says, protests must be peaceful. Uh, that's what he continues to call for and what he continues to believe is the right way to approach uh, responding. Cool. Can you just give a straight answer, please, lady? I know, I know you can. I know the job is not to give a straight answer, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really personally angry at Jen Psaki here. But I guess this is an extreme example. So, so Joe Biden doesn't want to contradict a member of his own party. And he does, in a way, want to, uh, for his political advantage, wants to keep the threat of riots out there because it, it, it well, just like any threat of violence, right? It, it puts your, your opponent in a vulnerable position. It's like the mob. It's like saying, nice story you got here. It sure would be a shame if something happened to it. That's what Maxine Waters is doing. That's what the whole Democratic establishment is doing. It's not just crazy Maxine. Kamala Harris bailed the rioters out of prison last year, out of jail rather, in, in Minneapolis, the first time they did this. But Joe Biden's staffers posted the, the fundraiser for these rioters as well. A lot of left-wingers are doing this sort of thing. Then Kamala Harris came out and said, you got to stay in the street. She did the same thing Maxine Waters is doing. But Joe Biden doesn't want to be seen as defending the riot. So he says, well, you know, we believe you got to be peaceful, but you know, we also believe and well and but and well and but. And if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. What is the end game here? I, d I don't think the end game is simply that the left wants us all to devolve into some anarchistic mayhem in the country. They want to upend the culture for a purpose, and that is to impose their own vision, their own standards. And so 
the, the chaos really helps them because then the clampdown can be even tougher. And you're, you're seeing ultimately what this clampdown is going to be is not from the ordinary part of the American political tradition where, you know, the Democrats win elections and then they follow the normal process. No, what it's going to be is perpetually outsourcing their, our political rights to the administrative bureaucracy, which is always in their hands. Even, even when we do win elections, the bureaucracy is always in their hands and they're going to take political questions and they're going to try to redefine them as non-political questions. And they're going to take questions of our fundamental constitutional rights. And they're going to redefine them as scientific, clinical, administrative questions that eggheads like Dr. Fauci should decide rather than we the people of the United States. Fauci's already doing this. He was asked a question about gun policy. Why is Dr. Fauci being asked about gun policy? I have no idea. Actually, I do have an idea because we now have a state church in this country called secular progressivism. And Dr. Fauci is the high pontiff of secular progressivism. So all questions go to him. He speaks infallibly on absolutely all matters. And because the left redefines all of our language, as a strategy to redefine reality. They're trying to redefine the question of our Second Amendment rights as a matter of public health. Before I let you go, I want to ask about another epidemic in the U.S., and that is gun violence. Eight people were shot and killed in a mass shooting in Indianapolis on Thursday night. The U.S. has reported 47 mass shootings in just over a month. You've worked in public health broadly for a long time. Is gun violence in the U.S. a public health emergency? You know, uh Myself, as as a public health person, I, I think you can't run away from that. I mean, when you see people getting killed, I mean, in this last month, it's just been horrifying what's happened. How can you say that's not a public health issue? I can say it's not a public health issue. How, how, can, how can you say it is a public health issue? First of all, I've been told that people who are killed by bullets are actually being killed by COVID. Remember, people who get shot in the head in some cases in this country, have been counted as COVID deaths. We've been told that all, all deaths are part of the public health issue. So all, all people die, right? All, all people die, and therefore, everything in this world is a public health question. Because look, if I, this show right now, this is a public health matter. Because if I say something that really irritates a leftist, which I've been told I occasionally do. Well, then their blood pressure might rise up a little bit. They, maybe they'll have a health problem from that. Maybe, oh, you know, th th don't think that I'm making a totally hyperbolic, ridiculous straw man argument. The left makes this point all the time. They make the point on racism. They say that racism is a public health issue because when people suffer microaggressions, that raises their blood pressure and that, that's difficult for them. And it's a matter of life and death sometimes. And therefore... The eggheads need to take over all of our national policy. If you're, if you're looking at mass shootings in the country, you say, yeah, a lot of criminals are going out and shooting people. If you're going to interview an expert on that, some, some official of the government, shouldn't you be interviewing, I don't know, a, a member for, of the Department of Justice, a prosecutor, a cop, the attorney general? Why are you interviewing Dr. Fauci? Because public health is this catch-all department of the government. It's kind of become the whole government now that makes all of our national policy. No official in the government has had more power than Dr. Fauci over the past two years, including Donald Trump, including Joe Biden. Dr. Fauci almost single-handedly has upended our entire way of life, suspended our, our ordinary 
rituals, suspended Christmas, suspended Thanksgiving, got our election system upended to include now massive widespread mail-in votes to expand election day well beyond election day. That was Fauci. That was public health because everything falls in to the cult of public health. And, and we are told, by the way, we're not, we're not allowed to question this because that makes us unscientific. Look, that's just the way science is progressing. And there's a science to our bodies and there's a science to history and there's a science to politics. And that's just progress, man. And you're on the wrong side of history and you got to just shut up and give up your country to these deranged eggheads, right? Or not. There was a video, this is going to seem unconnected, but it's not. There was a video that was going around the internet over the past few days of a cool old plane making an emergency landing in the water along a beach in Florida. So, so the plane is making its landing and, and it, so it's really actually a pretty impressive emergency landing. Doesn't, doesn't take anybody out. And you see the, the plane just floating now a little bit off shore. Some guys are filming this from the beach. And already you think, wow, this is very impressive video. But the most impressive part comes when a bunch of dudes start running into the water, diving into the water, and swimming out to the plane. Why are they doing that? Because they want to make sure that nobody in the plane needs help, that nobody's drowning, that nobody has maybe been knocked unconscious. They're running toward the danger, using their will and their intellect to do the right thing taking the situation in some degree into their own hands and behaving in a moral manner as they do it. We can do that. <laughs> I know that we, we live in a country now that is just filled with the neurotic and selfish fear of death, where if, forget about a plane landing and you gotta, you're going to go run toward the danger. Now, if your grandma coughs you run in the other direction. You say, God, good death, take her, take her. I've got to, I got to get out of here. I'm not going to see my relatives, my loved ones for years at a time now because I'm so afraid of getting the sniffles, right? We are a cowardly and selfish country in many ways. We're quickly becoming that because of radicals who are trying to upend our, our, our system of society, but we don't have to be. We can be the other kind of society that just doesn't care about our our own self satisfaction all the time that doesn't only care about our self-preservation actually runs toward the danger to do the right thing. We can take back control. This, I think the theme, the theme of this white house is losing control. Kamala Harris was just sent out to meet the, the prime minister of Japan, Yoshihide Suga. Now, normally this, this is an important relationship. Normally the president would go out to meet the prime minister of Japan, but Joe Biden was probably taking his nap. Probably the prime minister's arrival didn't, didn't work out very well for him. And so they sent Kamala Harris instead. And it just looked, it looked awkward. It was, it was disrespectful. It's not the right sort of thing. Joe Biden the other day accidentally had to give an answer to a reporter who caught him while he was walking. And he said, behind the mask, he was asked about the border crisis. And he said, <laughs> right. And he said, you couldn't hear him that well because he muzzled himself, which is probably to his political advantage. But he called it a crisis. First time that Biden has, has called it a crisis, the White House assiduously avoiding these sorts of terms. Jen Psaki was just asked about this, said, hold on, Joe Biden says it's a crisis. So can the White House finally admit it's a crisis? She says, no. President Biden over the weekend mm -hmm. called what happened at the border 
a crisis. Is that now the official White House position, that there is indeed a crisis at the border? Well, let me first say um, that we have made some progress, um, some progress in moving children from uh, out of border patrol facilities into shelters. Nearly a thousand unaccompanied minors were transferred out of CBP facilities and into the care of Health and Human Services just this weekend. We are still have a lot of work to do, but we that is a step forward in our view. The president does not feel that children coming to our border seeking refuge from violence, economic hardships, and other dire circumstances is a crisis. He does feel that the crisis in Central America, the dire circumstances that many are fleeing from, that he that that is a situation we need to spend our time, our effort on, and we need to address it if we're going to prevent more of an influx of uh, migrants from coming in years to come. That's not what he said. He said the crisis is at the border. And what Jen Psaki is saying now is, no, what the president said, that's not the position of the White House. That's not the position of the White House. I, it probably isn't because I don't think Joe Biden really runs that White House. We are not merely the victims, the passive victims of circumstance. We are not merely the, the sort of cogs in the machine that have no will and have no intellect of our own. We do have agency. We have intellect. We have will. We can do things. We can, we can take even terrible events and try to find some way to pull some good out of those events. The left doesn't want us to be able to do that. The left wants to keep us ginned up and wild all the time and, and really focused on all, all the most awful aspects of our, of our country and of our lives and told we can never do anything and we can never succeed and we can never overcome and they're, they're our only hope and keep us all agitated. The left often exploiting political crises and deaths. You've got Officer Sicknick right here from the Washington Post exploiting those things to push their own radical agenda, disconnected from the question at hand. I am reminded that today is the anniversary of the Columbine shooting, 22 years. A lot of people probably listening to the show don't even remember the Columbine shooting. Well, I sat down with one of the survivors of the Columbine shooting, Craig Scott. We discussed a whole range of times, a really long interview. You can go check it out on my YouTube channel. He, he focused specifically though on the way the media politicize these sorts of events and push lies to fit their agenda. He also gives a really harrowing recount of what he saw himself what he went through himself on that day. Just play you a little clip of, of our discussion, and then you can go check out the rest of it on my YouTube channel. You can also check out the movie about uh, his sister called I Am Not Ashamed. Without further ado, take a listen. There's definitely uh, things that are taken, tragedies, uh, events that the media picks up on that they want to politicize it. Uh, they want to use it for whatever cause that they think um, is important or needs or, or needs to happen. And, uh, you know, I've been involved and interviewed and, and questioned um, over news media. I've been over on a, a thousand in interviews throughout my life. And that that's an issue that comes up a lot. But I, I know that that is a surface level issue. I know that um, that when somebody has um, real darkness, real hatred in their heart, uh, that if they want to take the time to plan and kill people, they can find a way to do it. There was actually a propane tank that was set at Columbine. 
that was right underneath me. I was on the second floor in the library and directly below me in the cafeteria was a propane tank. If it had gone off, it would have killed 500 kids and we would have been, you know, banning propane tanks. You know, people that that use these events for their own uh, agenda, I think that a lot of them really believe that, that, that this is the problem. You know, they think that the, gu- the guns are the problem, but it really wasn't the main problem. Uh, if you really want to look at, I, I, I know of every school shooting that's happened since Columbine. I get questioned by the media after everyone. I research it. I learn about it. And if I were to tell you the biggest thing, the biggest commonality between all of these school shooters, <clears throat> it's pretty simple. It's that they focus on everything that was negative in this world. They focus on everything that was negative in themselves, and they didn't see the good in themselves or in other people. And they have this perspective of seeing the world. They could have been in the most beautiful place. They could have been in the Sistine Chapel in in Italy with Michelangelo's beautiful paintings and found dirt in the corner and focused on that. And when you have a view where everything is dark and jaded and you see nothing good, then in you it creates a darkness. It creates an anger and a hatred. And what I've learned also about all these shooters, school shootings, is that they all dwelled on a lot of very negative media, uh, almost on a daily basis. And if you can just imagine, um, and you know, of course, there's 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 nothing negative in the media, right? <laughs> when I ask that question to students in schools, I say, you know, how many of you guys would agree there's a lot of negative, like in the media, like every hand goes up. Yeah, ne- negative media. It's sort of a, a redundant phrase. <laughs> you don't yeah, need to say both, is. right? You know, uh, it doesn't mean you can't address the negative or talk about it, but where is your focus? Because whatever we place attention on, we give power to. Whatever it is, whatever the media chooses to focus on. Um, the media told this narrative after Columbine that really wasn't true. And Columbine was such a covered thing after the shooting. It was on the news for months, and we had. Uh, a, a news camp of reporters near the school for months. And the narrative that basically came out was this. Two guys are pushed to the edge because of bullying and they get revenge at their school. The problem is that's really not the true story. That's really not the main issue. And even the psychologists that have looked into it, that have uh, looked at everything that happened, don't believe bullying was a factor. They were bullied to a, d- a degree at school. I know of a couple stories I also know kids at my school that were bullied a lot worse. And I also know that they themselves were bullies at times and became the ultimate bullies that day. If I were to tell, when I talk to kids, I say the biggest reason they did what they did is that they focused on everything that was negative in this world. And that's, that's the bigger reason. It's not bullying. Um, the bigger reason is, is what they focused on. And so I have a program called value up and I, named it that after reading um, the book from Sue Klebold. Her son was Dylan, one of the shooters at Columbine. <clears throat> Dylan wasn't going to go through with the shooting. He thought Eric, his friend, who was very psychopathic, um, was crazy. And he only decided to go along with it in the last couple months of his planning. He planned it for a year. and uh, But he was more suicidal. And what his mom said was, we valued Dylan, but he didn't value himself. And it struck me because I realized I had already spoken to over a million teens across the country in person. And I realized that's such a core issue. When somebody doesn't believe in their own value, 
they're not going to treat other people with value. But if they can realize the truth and whether you want to come out this from a Christian perspective or other religion that, you know, Christian, you're fearfully, wonderfully made um, other perspective that we just have the capacity within us to do great good. We have so much potential, especially young people. And so if they can realize it doesn't matter what they look like, it doesn't matter what other people say about them. It doesn't matter where they come from, who their family is, that they have a great potential in them to and, and, and the capacity to do great things and be a positive influence in this world. Like my sister was, she did small things, stepped out of her way for uh, a girl that sat all, all alone during lunch who just lost her mom in a car accident. I, uh, a, fr- a friend told me how he has a, a slight disability and he was uh, made fun of and ignored, usually ignored a lot at school. His name was Adam. And the first time she met him, she stood up a couple guys were, were making fun of him. She stood up for him. And he told me that the time that she reached out to him, he was having thoughts of taking his life. And after she met him every day in the hallway, she would just say hi to him. And he said he literally started waking up in the morning, looking forward to this day that this pretty girl would say hi to him in the hallway. And a small act of kindness, human connection, what is going to really change our culture? What's real? How are we going to get to the root of the problem? Well, the root of the problem is in our hearts. The root of the problem is, it really is. It, those are where the problems are. It's also where the solutions are. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, Be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, as the Chauvin jury begins its deliberations, the media ratchet up the racial tension, and Maxine Waters pushes violence in the streets as Democrats and the media defend her. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Mm-hmm. 